MDOT presents the Extra Mile Podcast, Legislative Session. Welcome to the Extra Mile Podcast, Legislative Session. This is a special run of episodes focusing on transportation infrastructure within Mississippi's Legislative Session. I'm your co-host, Paul Catool. So happy I've got a co-host on this endeavor, Will Kraft. He handles government and constituent affairs here at MDOT, and he'll be with us throughout the session. Uh, Thank you so much for agreeing to doing this. I know that you've got a lot of different things going on during the session, so thank you for being my co-host. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. Will, um, like we said, you handle government and constituent affairs here at MDOT. Where Where all have you been, and kind of what brought you to MDOT? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Paul. Um, again, my name is Will Craft. I grew up in Mendenhall, Mississippi, uh, down in Simpson County. I uh, went to Simpson Academy and attended the University of Southern Mississippi to the top. Um, graduated there with a degree in communications. Um, got my first job after college up at the Department of Audit, uh, actually working for uh, State Auditor Stacy Pickering at the time um, as a member of his public affairs team. Uh, Stayed there for a couple of years and then had an opportunity to uh, work for um, Senator Thad Cochran in his Jackson office. Um, various different things for a portfolio um, with the federal government there. Um, as, as he retired, I stayed up on board with um, Senator Hyde Smith's staff there to assist with her transition and get everything set up. Um, and then was made aware of an opportunity here at Department of Transportation uh, to, to be more involved with local matters and, and local legislation and, and things going on at, at the Capitol, uh, which I had developed a passion for. Um, so jumped at the opportunity, um, and I came here in the uh, right about July of 2018, so um, just before uh, the special session there. Um, I, I got here and, and got set up, and um, it's been great. You know, I, I love what I do and love the people here at MDOT, um, so appreciate it. And uh, can you briefly just kind of talk about what your day-to-day entails here at MDOT? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it certainly it can, it can change from time to time. Um, as most state employees would agree that you're oftentimes to wear different hats and, and take on different responsibilities and roles. So um, that certainly is a factor. But generally during the legislative session, it, it's, a, it's a bit more streamlined as, as to what my daily expectations are. Um, and as well as I just had a, a, my baby girl, uh, she's five months old now. So she, she's got our, our day starting a little different these days, um, certainly earlier, but usually the beginning of that 7.30 drop-off here at Galloway for, for her, and then mosey over to the office, get some coffee going, see what bills have been filed um, and that have been uploaded online, check and see if there's anything that doesn't impact to, to, the, to our agency or if there's anything I just have a personal interest in following. Um, seeing what committee meetings have been scheduled uh, for that day, making sure you know that we have if not myself, at least someone there to, to um, engage and be a part of the dialogue going on with, with legislative matters that, that would impact us. Um, and then, uh, you know, another side of that is just the amount of, of dialogue between uh, our agency and, and the different legislators over there. It's, it's important for us to, to be aware and on top of uh, news, traffic accidents, you know, project updates, things of that nature that um, are continuously being updated and ongoing that you never know when you may get a question or especially if you're in a, a committee meeting and have to give some type of report or, or comments on things. So um, a lot of reading, <laughs> a lot of research, uh, a lot of dependence on you guys here in the public affairs office for sure taking care of me with uh, email updates and blasts on, on things that are going on. Um, and then lastly just uh, dialoguing and, and, and working hand in hand with our partners at the federal government 
um, spent a good deal of time talking with our different congressional staffers uh, about policy decisions and things that are upcoming and, and ongoing um, specifically and, and notoriously right now the, the infrastructure bill has just passed um, so we spent a lot of time talking with our federal partners and working through that and obviously there are still some uh, strings and guidelines that are they're coming forth that we'll understand hope to understand as we receive some further guidance. But um, yeah, again, just generally a lot of reading, man, a lot of reading and, and catching up on what, what happened in, in the last eight hours. Well, again, I'm so happy that you're my co-host for the Extra Mile podcast legislative session. Our first guest is a big one. We've got the Speaker of the Mississippi House of Representatives, Philip Gunn. So without further ado, let's just get into that interview. got a very special guest today, Speaker of the Mississippi House of Representatives, Philip Gunn. Uh, Speaker Gunn, I've got a little information on you. Began serving in the Mississippi House of Representatives in 2004, became Speaker of the House in 2012. I know it's a very busy time for you right now. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. It's great to be with you, and uh, thank you so much for letting me have an opportunity to come and talk. Of course, of course. Uh, we'll get into the uh, legislative session a little bit more but first of all i just kind of wanted to go a little broad you know as transportation infrastructure being kind of a core function of government uh can you tell me in your opinion why it's important for mississippi to have a robust safe efficient transportation infrastructure network absolutely absolutely i i, I, I tell this story in, in some of the speeches that i give and when people ask that question i had the opportunity last summer to meet with a man from washington who is a lobbyist for, I think it was the American Equipment Manufacturers. And his job was to go around the country and to find sites for companies to, to put, put their industry, put their, put their companies in different states. And so I just said, tell me what you look for. When you're looking to move around the country and put a company in a state or in a location, what are some of the things that you look for? And most economic developers will tell you the same thing. As we move around the country and we try to attract jobs and industry to the state of Mississippi, it's important to know what they're looking for. He said the number one issue for them is workforce. You've got to have qualified, educated, reliable people who can come and work at your factory. He said the second thing is infrastructure. He said they've got to have the ability to get their product to market, they got to have their uh, an assurance, and when I say infrastructure, it's more than just roads and bridges. It's it's electricity, it's water, it's it's access to the internet. All those things come into play, but that just kind of brought it home for me to realize just how important infrastructure is. Is we try to increase jobs in Mississippi, which is going to result in economic prosperity for all of us. Uh, infrastructure is one of the top two things that companies look for. And then they turn to other things like quality of life issues, as I call it. What's your school system like? What's your crime rate? Are there good neighborhoods for us to live in? My kids to go to school? That sort of thing. And I've talked to a lot of communities around the state about that. They, they want to know, when are we going to get a, a company to come to our town? <clears throat> and I tell them, you've got to have good answers to those questions. You've got to have an educated, reliable workforce. You've got to have good roads, bridges, streets, et cetera. But you also got to have good schools. You got to have a low crime rate. You got to have good neighborhoods for these people to live in. They're not going to come to your town if they don't have an assurance that those things matter. But that's that's uh, I think highlights the importance of infrastructure. And as you uh, Continental Tire in Clinton is another example. 
you had a railroad right in front of that facility. I don't know how familiar y'all are with that job site, but there was a railroad that runs with right in front of it. Interstate 20 runs right in front of it. Interstate 55 is within 15 miles of it, and the Mississippi River is within 30 miles of it. So that's the kind of infrastructure that these people are looking for. Not only get materials and products in so that they can produce whatever it is they're producing, but the ability to get those products out. And then, of course, it affects quality of life, like I talked about a minute ago. Uh, people want good roads and streets to ride on. And I can't tell you how many complaints we get uh, around the state when a bridge or a road is not open or it's got full of potholes and people like to have good quality roads to ride on. So all of those things play into why infrastructure is important. Sir, and I would even add that, you know, as Mississippi here, we have uh, a predominantly rural state that spends a lot of time commuting. Uh, so just even further on that quality of life aspect, the ability to spend that much time on the roadways and not have to continually fix and repair vehicles. And, and, and that's an excellent point regarding the rural nature of our state. With We have a lot of farming, a lot of people trying to get crops to the, the, the mills and the, the, the places that they have to get their road, that their, their crops to. Um, it affects uh, their ability to do that as well. I was aware of one company, and I think it was Clarksdale many years ago, who purchased materials from Tupelo. There was some provider in Tupelo that, pro that gave them the product that they needed. And on Highway 6, I think there were 12 or 13 bridges that were insufficient to carry the weight. So this company, rather than just driving from Tupelo to Clarksdale, had to go up to Memphis and go across and drop down, which was like twice as far. And so that not only added to their time, it added to their labor, their overhead, their costs, and it just showed how that affected the ability of both companies to make a living and to, to afford costs. So all of those things, we could go on and on with more stories, but the point is infrastructure is very important. We recognize that. Certainly, very, very insightful there. Uh, I like to think that state government is kind of a, a team sport. There's a lot of different players. Can you talk about the House side of things and what the House does to kind of advance things? Yeah, uh, a lot of people are not really aware sometimes of how government works or even what the Speaker of the House does. I go, <laughs> I speak often and I say to particularly school kids, uh, do you know what the Speaker does? And they all say, you give a lot of speeches. Well, that's true. But that's not really the role that, that the Speaker plays. Um, everybody knows just basic civics. We have two chambers in our legislature, the House and the Senate. Lieutenant Governor presides over the Senate. The Speaker presides over the House. The responsibilities that we have include uh, appointing the chairman to the different committees. In the House, we have 33 different committees that deal with all manner of topics, agriculture, education, transportation, forestry, on and on it goes. So the Transportation Committee in the House is there to deal with all transportation issues, which not only includes roads and bridges, it's airports, it's rail, it's uh, shipping, all of those things. Anything doing with transportation, they, they deal with. And so if a bill comes in, I, I get the privilege of determining not only the chairman of the committees, I get the privilege of assigning the members to those committees, and then when the bills are introduced, I read the bills and determine what is the subject matter here, and then I assign the bill to the various committees, depending on what the subject matter is. And so when a transportation bill is introduced, I uh, look at it, determine, you know, what is it, and, and this goes to the transportation committee that is then given to that committee, which is one of the larger committees in the House. I will tell you 
that it is the most requested committee in the House. Um, maybe next to education, but actually I think it, it, the last time I did the committee's transportation was requested by almost 80 of the 120 wow. members that we have in the House. So House members really like to serve on that committee. They understand the importance of that committee. We have rules that limit the number of people that can be on that committee. I think it's 29 is the maximum that can be on that committee. So I go about trying to select members to that committee based upon um, uh, geographic uh, considerations, you know, I want members from all parts of the state on that committee. Seniority plays a part into that. The most senior members obviously get their requests first, but we try to have a very diverse committee, Republican, Democrat, all geographic regions of the state, so that everybody can have a voice. All regions of the state have a voice in what's going on in their area. These are the transportation needs, these are the things we need to address, so on and so forth. Um, we also have a lot of, of requests that go along with, uh, or that, that entail an appropriation. So you've got not only the transportation consideration, but the financial consideration. So sometimes bill will be a bill will be double referred. Some people think that is an attempt to kill the bill. That is not true. I'll give you a simple illustration. We name roads after people all the time. People have died. They've done significant things. We name a road for it. There is a cost, as you well know, that goes along with maintaining that stretch of road. There's a sign that's got to go up out there. There's certain maintenance responsibilities. So it's not a bill like that, while you would think we'd have no problem naming it after somebody, and we generally don't, you still have the, the, the decision, is this road worth naming, or is this person worth having a road named after them? That decision's got to be made at the Transportation Committee. But then you have to send it to the Appropriation Committee for their decision about, yes, we want to spend money on that. So it, just because it's double referred doesn't mean we're trying to kill it, but that would be an example of how we refer bills and any bill that is a transportation issue that entails or is, is going to involve the expenditure of dollars then the appropriation committee has to be involved in that process too and make that decision that yes this is something that we need to do so that's that's kind of how it works on the house side the senate has a transportation committee as well functions in the same way they introduce bills on their end that are important to them we do on our end uh, we each pass our respective bills those things are are, are, are traded and we debate each other's bills and if an issue or a bill is not agreed upon in the way it's drafted, then that bill has to go to conference, which is something that uh, people don't understand. The last weekend of the session is what we call conference weekend. So you've got a House bill, you've got a Senate bill. They both deal with the same subject matter, but they're not identical, and they've got to be negotiated and discussed. Those individuals sit together. Those two committees get together. They hammer out those differences and they'll produce a conference report, which is then returned for consideration by both chambers. So you've heard it said often, the legislative process is like making sausage. You don't want to see sausage being made. You don't want to see legislation being made. Our founding fathers wanted it to be difficult to pass laws. They, they, there's a lot of hurdles that a, that a bill has to jump through. Committees on both ends of the building, uh, points of order that can be raised, a chairman that doesn't like the bill. There's a lot of ways to kill a bill, but it's very hard to to get one passed. they got to jump through a lot of hurdles to get there, and that's by design. They want it difficult to for government to, to pass laws. That's more than you asked for, I know. No, that was a great explainer, <laughs> and that's what we want. We want people to kind of understand the whole whole process. 
Well, and I would just add to, you know, speaking of your House members and specifically the Transportation Commission, now, we certainly appreciate Chairman Busby uh, and Vice Chairman Massengill. A great Good. relationship with them. And, uh, we appreciate their very much. Well, they're both passionate about this topic, and they work very hard. Chairman Busby's an engineer, so he's got a better-than-average understanding of, of what is involved in building roads. And then uh, Vice Chairman Massengill is, uh, works for a trucking company who obviously is very concerned about the conditions of roads and moving products around the country and that sort of thing. So both of them have an above-average knowledge of this field and above-average interest in what goes on here. And I'm very fortunate to have both of them handle this topic for me. Excellent. Uh, is there anything kind of that we can talk about that's coming up in the session as it pertains to transportation, or is it just kind of well? You got the, the you know the ARPA funds. Everybody's talking about the ARPA funds. These are the dollars that have come down from Washington as a result of uh, COVID, and uh, we have a substantial amount of money there that we are going to be looking to spend. The Good news is, I guess, is that we have uh, quite some time to decide how those dollars are going to be spent. Under the, uh, the, they put a lot of conditions and, and restraints on the expenditures of this money. They just didn't give us $1.8 billion and say, go spend it like you want to. Uh, there's another infrastructure bill on top of that, as you all well know, the IIJA bill. What does that stand for? Interstate and Infrastructure something act i forget what the j jobs that's what it is infrastructure jobs act um that's another billion dollars <clears throat> that's come down and so between those two pots of money we've got about 2.8 billion dollars and then on top of that we have another billion dollars just in excess revenue so we've got over $3 billion that we can look to spend on a lot of different things around the state. Obviously, the infrastructure money's got to be spent on infrastructure, but the ARPA funds and the, uh, the excess revenues we can spend on a lot of different things. Now, it's my understanding that the ARPA funds carry with it a condition that you can't spend it on roads and bridges. They wanted that infrastructure money to be spent on roads and bridges. But you can spend it on things like water, sewer, and other infrastructure-type needs that we'll be looking to do. So. Um, We've received a lot of requests from around the state, cities and counties, notifying us of bridge needs, road repairs, that, sorts of, that sort of thing. So we'll be looking at all of that this coming session. But what I started to say a minute ago was we've got three years to do that, though. You've got till 2024 to make those decisions. So all those decisions do not have to be made this session. Some of them will be. We are aware of some urgent needs around the state. I've, I've had conversations with Brad White. Uh, he has provided to me a list of needs that we're looking at, and we will be looking to obviously meet some of those needs this session. The conditions for spending these dollars, as I understand it, are uh, decisions have to be made by 2024, and the project has to be finished by 2026. So we will have to decide. We have three legislative sessions. Still, the 22 session, which we're in right now, next year will be 23, and the next year will be 24. So we got three legislative sessions to make decisions about how these dollars are going to be spent. And then once you award the, the dollars to the projects, the projects have to be finished by 2026, uh, completed. Broadband is a big topic of discussion within those dollars. We will probably be looking at ways to uh, expand broadband around the state water and rural water particularly are issues that are at the top of the list 
trying to make sure our citizens have good drinking water. So all of those considerations weigh in here, broadband, roads, bridges, infrastructure, uh, 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 water, tourism, all of these are different groups that are asking for money that we're going to have to decide how, how we're going to spend that. But we certainly have the opportunity here to, um, to do a lot of improvements on our roads and bridges. I would also like to reference what we did in 2018. Many people were recalling the special session of 2018 we had, uh, in August of 2018, we had a special session. There were three big topics that we handled there. One was how to spend the BP money that came in from the, the oil spill down on the coast. The other was implementation of the lottery. And then the third item was a road and bridge plan, which I'm very proud that members of the House are the ones that brought that, that plan forward. What that did was take a portion of our use tax, $120 million every year, and we give $50 million to the cities, and we give $50 million to the counties, and we put the additional $20 million in the emergency, bridge, um, emergency road and bridge plan. So every year under that plan, since 2018, we've been putting $120 million a year, and I am beginning to see the results of that. I, I know a lot of people, if they'll look around uh, their counties and their cities, they'll begin to see, uh, well, kind of funny, I guess. People called me complaining their bridge was in need of repair, and so we closed the bridge to repair it, and then they call and complain that the bridge is closed. You have to tell them the bridge is closed because we're fixing it. And I have noticed uh, in Hines County, where I live, uh, all around the county, you see brand new bridges popping up because of these, this plan that we passed in 2018. So I feel like the House of Representatives uh, stepped up in 2018 to give a good recurring source of revenue for our cities and our counties to repair their bridges and their roads. This ARPA money is one-time money, just to, to give everybody an idea of how we spend or the, how we make our decisions. You spend recurring money on recurring projects, you spend one-time money on one-time projects. Bridge is deemed to be a one-time project. When you fix a bridge, you hope it stays there for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's not something that comes back every year to need to be fixed. So we have an opportunity here with this offer, ARPA money to do some of those one-time projects. We spent a lot of time talking about transportation, and I know you spend a lot of time traveling around the state. Anywhere that you just, you know, anytime you're going through, you get an opportunity, got to stop at this place for a burger or, a, you know, whatever it may be. Any any local favorite that you'd like to you know, tell us about? Well, I, uh, I love eating locally, I will tell you that. I, whenever I travel the state of Mississippi, I always ask, what's the best local privately owned restaurant? I try to avoid the chains. I try to avoid those because uh, I find that the local people do a better job. And, of course, you know, I like to eat. That's, uh, that's a hobby for me. You can't weigh as much as I do if you don't eat, you know, <laughs> and I like to keep it up. Uh, there are a lot of I've, – I've done a, uh, a lot of searching around the state. And, a lot of research. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to uh, identify any one particular place, but I will tell you I can pretty much find the, the best eating place in whatever town I'm in. So I, w I will say this, too, to my friends who live in other states who come here to visit. For a state our size, we have some phenomenal eating establishments. No doubt state. about They're, it. Yeah, I, t I tell them, I said, there's a reason we're the most obese state in the country, and I'm <laughs> fixing to show you why. So That's exactly right. And then lastly, just, uh, you know, many of our MDOT employees and, and folks around the state, too, are not necessarily continually plugged in. Uh, obviously, it is my job to, to stay informed and aware of what's right. going on legislatively. 
any direction that you would give folks out there who want to reach out or, or, or get some more information about activities going on in legislature or specifically your office? Yeah, the, my office uh, contact information is 601-359-3300. So anybody has a question about an issue, feel free to call. I have policy staff people who are assigned, one of them is assigned to deal with transportation issues. And so if anybody has a need or a question, we'll be glad to try to help. Um, I would encourage everybody just to stay abreast of what's going on in the legislature. I tell people all the time, you don't have to be astute about what's going on in Jackson, but you need to be aware. The people in Washington and the people in Jackson are making the rules, and uh, you need to know what they're doing. And, and it, there's so much information out there nowadays that didn't exist 50 or 100 years ago. It is so easy to pay attention to what's going on with the Internet. You can actually watch us in action. There's a web cast link on the Mississippi Legislature website. Just type in Mississippi Legislature and it'll take you right to a link. You can actually watch live what's happening in both the House and the Senate. Um, there's plenty of information being put out by the media on uh, websites and over the phone so it's, 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 it's very easy to pay attention to what's going on in Jackson. Um, so I encourage people to be involved. Like I say, you don't have to be a, an expert. You don't have to be astute, but you do need to be aware of what's going on, not just from a transportation standpoint, but just as a citizen. As a citizen, you need to know what your legislature is doing that's going to affect your quality of life, the education issues, the spending issues, the, the, um, all the things that we do down there. So uh, they need to have interest more than just about transportation issues. There's a lot going on. We have 33 committees, like I said. That's so right. we got a lot of issues that, that take place. Excellent. Well, uh, Speaker Gunn, we really appreciate you coming to speak with us today. I know, like we said, a very busy guy this time of the year. We sincerely appreciate it. Well, man, I appreciate the opportunity to come and talk. And uh, if we can ever help you, we, we stand ready to do so. All right, that wraps up a great first episode of the Extra Mile Podcast Legislative Session. Before we get out of here, we want to thank Speaker Gunn again. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. And to keep up with MDOT, remember to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at MississippiDOT. And as always, remember to drive smart out there on Mississippi Highways. <laughs>